0: I'm Ellen and I'm Sam
1: and we're is just chaos. here to cause chaos that went better than last time it's never gonna go better you know <laughs> what? that's part of our charm okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes
0: so oh I think we should give some clarification on all the blanket fort is falling apart from <laughs> last week okay the internet told us that, that the blanket forts have great acoustics. Well, not the internet... Quite
1: the internet. My sister told us that we needed to build blanket forts. And then we verified with the internet. Yeah,
0: <laughs> And between those two sources, <laughs> we both built blanket forts.
1: Yeah, and mine is held up by a ladder, which I did not fix. It's still being held up by the ladder leaning against the wall. So. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm sure this will have no bad consequences. <laughs> yeah um (laughs) so we'll see if it goes better this time great all right so sam what are we learning about today okay so have you ever heard of hedy lamar i have but please tell me more It makes sense that you have because you were the one who put on the suggested episodes list (laughs) um but i am low-key obsessed with her now let me pull up my notes were you not obsessed with her before I didn't know enough about her to be obsessed with her before. Now I know enough about her to have my mom was just like trying to eat lunch today. And I just like went on a rant about Hedy Lamarr for a few minutes. I'm sure oh, she going to be that. good then. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Hedy Lamarr was born Hedwig Eva Kiesler in Vienna, Austria on November 9th, 1914 into a well to do Jewish family. She was an only child and she was very close with her father who was a bank director and also like a very typical car dad. And I don't know if that means the same thing to people who aren't, who mechanical engineers It does to me, but that pretty much means that like, he was the kind of dad who like showed her how machines work, like taught her how to like take apart an engine, um, really like encouraged her curiosity. Um, and her mom was a famous concert pianist. Who enrolled her daughter in ballet and piano s- lessons from like the second she could do either thing? She might as well have popped out into a tutu. Um, oh. <laughs> so pretty much she was getting like a lot of good nourishment, uh, from her parents and the arts and sciences and all those kinds of things when she yeah, was get little- that education, girl. Yeah, when she was little, her and her dad would go on these long walks, and he would like. Explained to her how different car engines work and um pretty much my theory is if they were on today they'd have like an old car in their garage and like work on it together on weekends like that's the kind Aww. of they had which i'm very much here for <laughs> um and one story that i found that i really liked was that when she was five years old she took apart her mom's music par- box because she wanted to see how it worked which I just found really funny because when I was little, I used to take everything in this house apart. <laughs> um, like <laughs> I took part of VCR once. My mom went to at one point went to like Goodwill and got an old printer for me to take apart. So I'd stop taking apart the stuff in the house. So like I have a very strong kinship to Hedley Mars.
0: Um, basically the same person. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but when she was 16 years old, uh, a famous German director named Max Reinhardt realized she was just like a whole snack and um, more or less oh my God. offered to make her into a movie star. So she put her brilliant brain on the back burner and moved to Berlin with him, where he uh, marketed her as the most beautiful woman in film. And she studied uh, acting under him and starred in her first movie in 1930. Um, it was in the name was in German and I'm not even going to try and say it but it more or less translated to money on the street
0: Okay, so she was like into this right? She wasn't low-key kidnapped by a German producer
1: I mean it sounded like she was into it. She keeps doing okay. this for like the rest of her life So I think okay. she was into it. She had this one really great quote though from around this time uh, Any girl can be bl- glamorous. All you have to do is stand still and look stupid. Ooh, like damn right (laughs) we stan yeah but she wasn't like super famous until 1932 when she gained a lot of recognition for starring in a really controversial film called ecstasy and this film was an erotic film and it was known as the first non-pornographic movie to portray sex in the female orgasm so oh, like, like actually or did yeah. it like what did it like cut to a waterfall or something it, like cut to a waterfall but like it all right it it's was like close enough. the first movie to kind of like show two people in a bed together like clearly going towards sex without like it being porn all right <laughs> yeah uh
0: um, and absolutely no relation to
1: the drug ecstasy i don't, I don't think that was around, that yet. Drug wasn't around then good to know Um, Also, like, the concept of this movie I found hilarious because it was a young woman marries a much older wealthy man and then realizes that, like, her life sucks and leaves him to have an adventure and then meets, like, a hot young engineer and have shenanigans. (laughs) Also, they filmed this movie in three different languages. They filmed it in French, Czech, and German, which means that she spoke all those languages.
0: What? Right? When did she have time between the Uh, acting
1: and the car building <sighs> um yeah no she also had another great quote from around this time that said uh someone asked her if she would ever like be naked in a movie and she said if you use your imagination you can look at any actress and see her nude i hope to make you use your imagination <laughs> <laughs> so she's an icon i'm obsessed with her yeah oh um, <laughs> my god <laughs> and hey. oh, so sorry. like
0: it sounds like she's definitely like enjoying being a movie star but also like i i don't know she's not seemed to be
1: a fan of the culture (laughs) no that's a theme through her whole life like she was not into the whole like being the whole like movie scene but she's i mean to be a great actress yeah no one was a fan of like the 1930s movie scene except for the old white men who ran it you also have to remember she's not in hollywood at this point she's in like the german movie scene
0: and you have to remember even
1: less about that you also have to remember that she's a jewish woman in the early 1930s
0: oh no in germany <laughs>
1: yeah whoa i wasn't thinking about that <laughs> yeah no uh, this woman has layers to her okay <laughs> so and here's where the oh god she it's 1930s and she's in germany starts to come into play yeah so, i almost forgot about that bit <laughs> But in 1933, she married an Austrian munitions dealer named Fritz Mendel, um, and it was a very short-lived marriage, and I'm going to tell you why. Ooh, what'd he do? So, he wanted her to be, like, just this perfect wife. She realized that he wasn't going to let her keep acting. He wanted her to, like, smile and, like, host his friends and be, like, a doll. And I already hate him. Oh, you're going to hate him more because he sold munitions to the Nazis. Um, uh, does he know his wife is jewish yes he does but that's also, even worse he would also have all these like nazi higher-ups over to his house and force his jewish wife to host them and like smile and bring them food and like eat dinner with them all the time oh god at least in the story of
0: Purim, like the king didn't know his wife was jewish but yeah this... she's pretty much
1: queen in it but like worse oh uh, i hate him why did she marry him i he was like a huge fan and had a lot of money and remember Ugh. she was 16 in 1930 and this is 1933 so she's 19. Ah, poor yeah. thing right but it's okay because in 1937 she realized that like things weren't looking good to be a jew in that area and her husband sucked so she mm-hmm. fled to london Um, It was really easy for famous people to get out of Germany, so she didn't have any issue fleeing to London, but she escaped Mandel, but she did not leave necessarily empty-handed, because she'd been sitting at dinner with Nazis listening to them talk shop for years at this point. So she went straight to the British government and was like, you want (laughs) a bunch of information. (laughs) I love her. Every new detail. Right, every new detail. Hmm. No, so she pretty much showed up in England, gave them some information, and then quickly met the head of MGM Studios, Louis B. Meyer, and he immediately offered her a deal of $125 a week to come back to Hollywood with him and, like, star in movies, and she turned him down. Why? Because she then booked herself on the same boat liner, because back then it's, like, this is like when the titanic was going on so that's how you got back and forth to america you took like a fancy boat for a week so she booked herself on the same boat as him and negotiated herself into 500 a week instead
0: yes <laughs> and there we go fighting that wage
1: gap yeah one movie at a time and it was on this boat that she picked her new name of hedy lamar because Meyer wanted her to change her name to get her away from being like the lady from ecstasy because that was such a controversial movie Um, and she wanted to pay homage to like a famous silent film actress named Barbara Lamar and so she chose the name Hedy Lamar and just fun fact uh, Meyer's wife Margaret helped her pick out the name so I can just like imagine them sitting in their fancy like boat suites chilling and having fun with that. Gossiping, talking about old icons. (laughs) I love it. We yeah. love some female friendship. And so pretty much as soon as she got to America, she got booked in this film called Agir, um, which was the American version of a famous French film from the time. Um, and she was also very quickly typecasted as a glamorous, exotic seductress, which was... Okay. Yeah, because of her fancy accent and the fact that she was just, like, drop-dead gorgeous. Um, but right. this was very against her actual personality she was a a, like she was a super introvert she was often lonely she missed home she didn't like crowds and whenever anyone would ask for her autograph she'd always ask why they wanted it (laughs) (laughs) um but she was also insanely smart and using her massive brain for acting at this point so she knew what men wanted and she knew how to act like that and so she did ah kind of like that marilyn monroe-esque yeah like she also had this odd habit of speaking about herself in the third person all the time interesting yeah i don't know what to do
0: with that information i know there's a joke to be made about it but (laughs) that just threw me so off
1: guard um but she was really notable because she was one of the because a lot of film stars escaped Germany uh, during the Nazi regime. I mean, Germany had like the second biggest film industry in the world at that point, and a lot of them are Jewish. So like a lot of very famous people came out of Germany, but she was one of very few who made a name for herself in a new market after that. Good for her. Yeah. She made what some referred to as a seamless transition linguistically and culturally. Good for her. Yeah.
0: Well, and you know was, she
1: speaks, she speaks at least three languages. So. Well four because she has to speak English at this point.
0: Wait, you said the movie was recorded in like English, German, and no, Czech. it
1: wasn't recorded in English. It was in French, Czech, and German. Oh my God, that's one more language than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> no, but she was an immediate hit in America. She was gorgeous. she was graceful. She had the exotic accent. like America was done. was like super down with her. Yeah, she would occasionally say a savage quote. Yeah, oh, I've got more savage quotes coming, don't worry. Oh, Um, I'm pumped. But now that she's in America, I think this is a good point for your hyperfixation, because stuff gets fun after this. Oh, dear.
0: All right. So, Sam, have you
1: ever wondered what to do if you're arrested? I mean, I watched a lot of cop shows as a kid, so yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to tell you what... Legally is your best options. Uh I don't know how I ended oh here's how I ended up on this hyperfixation. I was watching a video about like criminal psychology and how cops use interrogation techniques. And it was horrifying. Uh cops are not your friends. They there's no talking to a cop will never help you. It will only hurt you. So here are some things you gotta do. You get re- uh, First, you're stopped by the police, and you have to figure out if you're free to leave, okay? If you're free to leave, get out of there. So you have to specifically ask, am I free to leave? It doesn't matter if they're putting handcuffs on you at the time. Uh, you need to be this to be on record that you are being detained, because if you're not technically being detained, you are not under the protection of the Miranda rights, okay? And you need those. They're good for you. You like those. Okay? Okay. So, you ask that. Uh, And once that's been done, you then say, I am invoking my right to an attorney. And then you say, I am invoking my right to be silent. And then you say, absolutely nothing after that.
1: I stand by my comment from earlier of saying I'm invoking my right to remain silent feels like an oxymoron to me. (laughs) No, I will explain
0: these now. Okay. (laughs) So you have to say, I am invoking my right to have an attorney because the police will use any subterfuge to misinterpret your request for an attorney. So if you say, huh, maybe I should have an attorney. Or if you say, I don't want to talk to you and without an attorney present, then the police can say, I didn't know they were asking for an attorney. I thought they were just stating a fact that they didn't want to talk. But then they kept talking. Uh, The most infamous of this is a case in 2015 where a dude said, what did he say? He said, I know that I didn't do it. So why don't you just give me a lawyer, dog? Because this is not not what's up. (laughs) So he said that. And they did not stop the interrogation. And the New Orleans and the uh, Supreme Court of Louisiana said that reasonably the police did not could could not have said that that was a request for a lawyer that they somehow thought he wanted a dog who was a lo- a lawyer for dogs or whatever subterfuge. Uh, That's some police, bull right there. I know police do not have to ask for clarification. When what do you mean you want a lawyer? They can misinterpret it however they like. So you need to be as clear as possible. Now, invoking your right to silence. That's a very good point you've made about how it seems oxymoronic to say I am invoking my right to silence. However, as I've just said, the police can misinterpret anything to their advantage, no matter what. So if you just sit there silently They can say, I didn't know they were invoking their right. I thought they were just quiet. And you're like, okay, that's dumb, but all right. And after that, you cannot say anything else because if you say anything else, you are waiving your right to be silent. So even asking like what seems like innocuous questions, like what's happening now, who are you? Why are we doing this? Any of that uh, opens up a dialogue and, you've, uh, and depending on how generous your police officer is, you've essentially waived your right uh, to remain silent to avoid incriminating yourself. Now, if the police ever have you like in an interrogation room, they're gonna use a lot of terrible techniques to try to get you to talk. So uh, there's, we've all heard of like good cop, bad cop, where like there's one cop who's like real confrontational, who's like up in your face. Uh, and the other cop who's like, you know, trying to pretend to be your friend, trying to help you. Uh, no cop is ever your friend. They are not trying to help you. Uh, if they say something like, uh, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, like, I won't judge you if you tell just tell me the truth.
1: They will judge you. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I say I won't judge you all the time and I judge you, so. Oof. I'm
0: gonna <laughs> pretend that's not directed at me,
1: but okay. Who else is it directed at? <laughs>
0: one here. Other people? I don't know. <laughs> it's not what we're supposed to do, Sam. We judge other people. Together. That's true.
1: I do judge other people with you more than I judge you. There we go. That's true friendship. <laughs> <laughs> um, if
0: they say they don't get anything... Uh, out of you confessing because they already have evidence. They're, they're probably lying. They don't have evidence. And it's like a point of pride to get a uh, confession without any evidence. Like, some people have been known to be promoted for that. So, oh, big. yeah. So that's that's a bit sleazy. Just a smidge. Uh, they will ask the same questions over and over again, hoping your answer will change uh, and hoping that your mind will be so like panicked and uh traumatized that you will start to doubt your own memory because as we all know the human memory is notoriously fallible uh can be changed by just repeating the same thing over and over again i mean ask jackie Ooh, (laughs) what she knows (laughs) yeah uh our friend jackie has a terrible memory fun to make fun of her (laughs) <laughs> to love today, apparently.
1: <laughs> I don't even know if she's going to listen to this. Let's be real. Keep going. She <laughs> better. I told her to. <laughs> hey. All right.
0: Well, that's been a lot. Uh, any other questions about what to do if you get uh, stopped by the police? No, not. I don't, mostly just why. This is what you went for today. Uh, well, uh, I thought it'd be too dark if I got real deep into uh, some of the murder cases I've been learning about. What uh, class are you taking right now? Not classes, just, you oh, know, you... sometimes I want to learn about murder. Okay. So I'm currently learning about, you know, the Casey uh, Casey Anthony trial. uh. I would have talked about that, but frankly, I haven't learned enough about it. It's really complicated. There's a lot of lies. Casey Anthony's a woman. We could do an episode about her at some point. Is that the kind of feminist sister we're looking for? I don't know. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the list. It. We
1: can always take it off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also learned about this uh, story where this girl named Jennifer essentially hired, went through her boyfriend to hire some hitmen to murder her parents. Oof, so that's dark. I don't like that. Yeah, me neither. Uh, And I also learned how to do a bad job pretending you're criminally insane. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, And this is what I've learned on YouTube. Nice.
1: Well. I'm just gonna, like, (laughs) left field this one uh, (laughs) and go back to Hedy Lamar. (laughs) (laughs) So... Around the time she got to Hollywood, she met Howard Hughes, famous pilot and businessman. And honestly, I assume everyone know who knows who Howard Hughes is, but I also grew up in Los Angeles, where a lot of things I assume are common knowledge aren't. So just, do you know who Howard Hughes is? Um, no, he's
0: not Charles Lindbergh, who flew across the Atlantic to his secret family and had a son who was stolen. No. Uh he's not Hugh Hefner who is the playboy dude. No. And those are the only two guys that are even remotely related
1: to this. They're not, but okay. <laughs> um, no, Howard Hughes, in if you live in Los Angeles there's just like a Howard Hughes Center and a Howard Hughes Boulevard like he uh r- ran all these businesses and he was like known to be a playboy and a and he like flew planes and he was just like through these huge parties he was just like a super cool guy. Um, and one of the businesses he ran, which is pertinent to the story, was he, like, built airplanes in World War II. Oh, cool. Yeah. And they started dating for, like, a hot minute, but their dating wasn't really important because he was the guy who kind of was like, Hey, Hetty, you know you're, like, s- stupid intelligent, right? And she was like, Yeah, I've been told that. <laughs> he was I'm with, aware. Yeah, and he was like, What if you tried inventing stuff? And help her set up an inventing table in her home and he got her to a traveling invent inventing set for her trailer and he took her to her air- to his airplane factories and introduced her to scientists and <laughs> eventually after seeing like all the stuff she could do he asked for her help designing faster planes because this was Ooh. World War Two, and he really wanted to like come out with a new better plane design to sell to the government yeah and anything to kill more Nazis yeah and so uh, Hetty was like, I definitely want to help with these planes. And she went to the library and she got a book about fish and a book about birds and found the commonalities between the fastest fish and the fastest birds and used the fins from the fastest fish and the wings from the fastest birds to make a more aerodynamically sound, like outer shell for an airplane. That's so cool, right? <laughs> Howard Hughes, like, went on record saying that she was a genius. At one point, Hedy Lamarr said, improving things just comes naturally to me. <laughs> like, that was a direct quote. God, every quote she says is an, is iconic. Oh, my God. Just wait till I get, talk about her marriages. She's got some great quotes in there. Ooh. <laughs> she also, around this time, invented a new type of soda, which was a dissolvable tablet that made... Like plain water fizzy. It was kind of a flop because no one really wanted that and it tasted like too much like Alka-Seltzer, but like, still cool that she figured that out on her own. Yeah, like and, Tang, but worse. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then in 1940, she met her longtime inventing partner, George Anheil. Anheil later said in interviews that they kind of got together because Lamar was really uncomfortable making lots of money in Hollywood and doing nothing while war was brewing all over the world. So she used her knowledge of German munitions in her, um, from her marriage to the awful Austrian guy to tinker yeah, with new guy. ideas to fight the Axis powers. And the two of them invented this novel new communication system that was designed to, gu- to guide torpedoes. And kind of Ooh. the way this worked was it was called frequency hopping. And so more or less the transmitter and the receiver would simultaneously jump between different fre- radio frequencies to prevent being intercepted. Um, And this would allow the torpedoes to find their intended target without being sensed by the enemies. Um, Like a spirit box that they use in ghost hunting, but useful? Yeah. Cool. Um, And so this design was awarded a US patent. It was patent number 2,292,387 in August of 1942 um but however the patent expired before she made any money off of it but it was still really cool the navy decided not to use the system because it would have been really expensive to implement and they were in the middle of a war and also by 1942 they were like kind of winning so they didn't think they needed it um but frequency hopping is kind of the base technology that for what would later become bluetooth wi-fi gps and cell phones wow yeah so because of how this that, how does that work with like satellites? It kind of it's like the base idea and like the original circuitry is still in use, but now instead of like radio frequencies, it's kind of like satellite signals that they jump between. Cool. Yeah. Um because of this, Hedy Lamar is often called the mother of Wi-Fi. <laughs> um and also after the rejection from the Navy, Lamar supported the war effort by selling war bonds because she was still insanely famous. <laughs> um, she's,
0: like Tony St- she's like Howard Stark and Captain America combined.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're going to love this. So <laughs> it, during World War II, the Office of Strategic Services had a device that could mimic the sound of a falling bomb and then emitted smoke everywhere to help like their agents escape once they've been made. And it, it's been documented to have saved at least one life, and you want to know what they called the device? What? The Hedy Lamarr. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was kind of like her time during the war. She was just inventing novel technologies that would change the way we live our lives. And just casually, like you do. Selling war bonds and having spy technology named after her. Um,
0: so why was the spy technology
1: named after her like was she involved in its making was it just they're like you know who's cool i think it was kind of like in movies she was always this like kind of seductress who was like in the shadows and was able to like get out of bad situations and they were like this device will help you get out of a bad situation <laughs> <laughs> like it had nothing to do with her inventing abilities it just i thought it was fun that they named it after her that's still so cool yeah no but after the war in 1945 she left mgm um and started her own production company called the mars film corporation with two guys jack chirk talk and hunt stromberg they're unimportant but they were there so i felt like mentioning them yeah Um, those guys yeah and the production company only made two movies which both grossed more money than their budgets but weren't like huge hits she produced and starred in both of them. She was the first female actor to go off and start her own production company after leaving a studio. Um, But Hollywood establishment was, like, really not okay with actors in general going off to make their own movies, but especially an actress.
0: If they had their power, then they could have, like, contracts that wouldn't let them micromanage every aspect of their lives.
1: Yeah, so pretty much Hollywood, like, Tor- uh, blackballed her movies but they still did okay like she didn't lose money on them so that's pretty impressive yeah. um but the two movies that she made as produce as like the producer of her own production company was the strange woman and the dishonored lady both of which still had her as her like dark seductress typecast which you know kind of wish she had gotten away from that but i guess that was her thing
0: yeah maybe it's just what she felt comfortable doing
1: yeah so yeah, that if was she's her... the dark
0: sedustric, she can sneak off stage. <laughs> but
1: yeah, go, that, that was Go back her to that introvert. Producing career. She <laughs> produced one other movie not in coordination with the Mars Film Corporation and also starred in it. But yeah. In the end, she made 31 movies in her career. So like, I'm not going to mention all of them. <laughs> but she became... More movies a... than I've made. Really? You haven't been in 31 movies? I didn't know that. Yeah. So this is the part where you'll just
0: casually say, "Actually, I have been in thirty one movies." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh Yes, yeah. I totally have been in thirty one movies. <laughs> I haven't. Um, yeah, just ask my neighbor,
0: you know, uh, Brad Pitt, because you <laughs> would say something like that out of you, nowhere just I feel to like ruin you would my day. By now if Brad Pitt was my neighbor, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know weirder stuff has come up for context. I grew up in Los Angeles and have a lot of weird famous people's stories and just bring them up unnecessarily in conversation. Sometimes
0: Yeah, <laughs> With, without any introduction, it'll just drop and then I'm going ha- to have to like reset
1: afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So Hedy Lamar continued acting until 1958. And she became a U.S. citizen officially in 1953. She loved living in the U.S. She, like, thought of it as home almost immediately when she got here. But, yeah, so that's more or less her career. It was epic and long, and she did some amazing things. I mean, she was in movies from 1930 to 1958. So that's 20-year-long career in a time when, like, women meant nothing after age 30. Oh, yeah. What an icon. She was such an icon. And now I'm going to talk about her personal life a little bit, because this woman was never defined by a man. She was married six times. Yes. You want to hear her next savage quote? It's about marriage, and I'm obsessed with it. Oh. She said at one point, I must quit marrying men who feel inferior to me. Somewhere there must be a man who could be my husband and not feel inferior. I need a superior, (laughs) inferior man. (laughs) Oh, she's like,
0: I need that high value man. <laughs> and she's tired of all these low value men just trying to break her down. Yeah. So,
1: They're I'm going to list,
0: they haven't been in 31 movies. Yeah.
1: I'm going to go through and list her husbands real quick. And I'm going to also just point out here at the beginning that her longest marriage lasted seven years. Um, <laughs> so, first we have Fritz Mantle uh the bitch who married her in austria who we already hate Um, yeah i hate him they were married from 1933 to 1937 next she married jean markey they were married from 1939 to 1941 he was a screenwriter producer um and you know i'm gonna talk about her kids actually after i talk about her husbands Um, all right seems like a logical course of events yeah next she was married to john lauder from 1943 to 1947, he was an actor. Um, and then after that, there was Teddy Stoffer from 1951 to 1952. He was a nightclub owner, a restaurateur, and a band leader, which, you know, coolest job of her any of her husbands get in my opinion. <laughs> um, next was her longest marriage to W. Howard Lee from 1953 to 1960. He was a Texas oil man. Ah, And then, are you ready for this, her final marriage was to Louis J. Boys from 1963 to 1965, and he was her divorce lawyer. That's the plot of her, that's a plot of an
0: episode of Arrested Development.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So now I'm going to talk about her kids, because her kids are a time. So she had three of them, James, Denise, and Anthony Loder. Notice that they all have the same last name as her third husband. However, James Loder was born in 1938. You might remember that I said she married James Loder in 1943, and she married Jean Markey in 1939. Because at the time that she had James Loder, John Loder was still married to someone else. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but she was like a big Hollywood starlet, and this would have been a huge scandal. So in right about the same time she gave birth, she married Jean Markey and told the media that the two of them adopted this baby together, and it wasn't actually related to either of them. <laughs> and that worked. Yeah. I mean, back then, she disappeared from the media for nine months, came back with a husband and an adopted child, and like everyone was like, fine, we believe it. Um, I think that's how you dealt with, like, unwed motherhood in Hollywood back in those days.
0: This (laughs) is how they dealt with unwed motherhood in general.
1: Yeah. But after she divorced Gene Markey and got together with Loder now that he was single, he also adopted their son. So he got the last name Loder, which, like, makes sense because that was his birth dad. But actually, the truth of who his parents were didn't come out until after Hedy Lamar's death in 2001. Oh my god. People when like her family's going through her documents and found his original birth certificate. They never told him? They never told him. He was born in 1938. He didn't find out that he wasn't adopted until 2001. Oh my god. Right? <laughs> There's been a bunch of like documentaries and things made about Hedy Lamar that her other two kids have been in that he won't be in. And I think it's because he's just like done with this. <laughs> Damn. She had she got like a she didn't get as much recognition as a great actress as she probably deserved, but like she has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um and that's really was like the biggest honor she got as an actress, but she actually got later on in life and after her death a lot of really great recognition for her work as an inventor. So, her first like big inventor like the first big honor her big beautiful brain got was that she received the electronic frontier foundation award in 1997 with on heel her like longtime partner and then she was also the first woman to receive to receive the invention conventions bulby nas spirit of achievement award which has been dubbed like the oscars of inventions there we go yeah she was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame for the development of her frequency hopping technology in 2014, which was like long after her death, but still cool. Mm-hmm. And then these are my favorite honors she's gotten. She has an asteroid asteroid number 32730 is named Lamar. Um, <laughs> and in on November 6, 2020, NewSat, which is an Ar- Argentinian satellite company, sent up Satellite number fourteen, also known as Hetty.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, what do I have to do to get either a asteroid or a satellite named after me? Right. Uh, <laughs>
1: like, where's one. the bar? I think invent the technology by which satellites are necessary. Maybe. Okay, <laughs> uh, that that's a bit
0: difficult. Yeah. But probably easier for me than get being in thirty one movies. So.
1: There. <laughs> <Fair. laughs> Um, she also now has an honorary grave in Vienna National Cemetery, which is where she was born, and it was given to her on her what would have been her hundredth birthday. That's weird. Um, yeah, That's a weird thing to give someone. It is. I agree. <laughs> Apparently, like her family scattered her ashes after she died, but like kept a little bit of them, and what was left is now at her grave in Vienna.
0: We destroyed this dirt. <laughs>
1: It does have a really you. beautiful, like, art installation on it that's, like, dedicated to her. Actually, go look at what picture. It's a really pretty, like, little art installation. Okay. <laughs> but she died on January 19th, 2000, which I just like the fact that she was, like, I am seeing this, like, millennium turn, and then was, like, done.
0: Yeah, she was alive when we were alive.
1: Yeah, for, like, three years or two yeah. years. Well, the last
0: last week's people were not, so... Well, last week people were
1: alive in the 1700s, so... Oh, here is a fun fact that I picked out specifically for you, Ellen. Oh, I'm excited. Batman co-creator Bob Kane said Catwoman was originally based on Hedy Lamarr. Oh my god! Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. And because of this, Anne Hathaway watched, like, all of Hedy Lamarr's movies to prepare for her role in The Dark Knight Rises. Oh my god. Yeah, I knew you'd like that. <laughs> I've actually like read the
0: first uh like Catwoman appearance comic. And it's pretty great. She shows up, steals stuff, and then Robin's like, hey, do you wanna like catch her Batman?
1: Batman's like, nah. Yeah, so when they were good, that, they were thinking about Hedy Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> I like that fact too much. I know I knew you would. <laughs> um and then gal gadot was recently cast to play her in an apple plus series based on her life story i just thought that was fun because love gal gadot awesome um
0: gal gadot's gonna be wonder woman and a wonder woman god
1: that was horrible that was so good no it was. <laughs> and then i have two more just like great quotes by her that i wanted to include but didn't have a natural place to put them, so I'm just going to read them to you now. Fantastic. So the first one is, the world isn't getting any easier. With all these new inventions, I believe that people are hurried more and pushed more. The hurried way is not the right way. You need time for everything. Time to work, time to play, time to rest. Which I just appreciate. That's a great quote. Yeah.
0: Um, I've actually like uh, seen that with like analysis of how like productivity has gone up. Where like we're doing things faster but that just means that work comes faster so like we're three times as productive but that means that we're also three times as exhausted
1: yeah I mean who knows how this woman had any time for rest or play because she was literally starring 31 movies and inventing stuff all the time but you know what yeah. I guess she could do it I got tired of two hours of class same and then her last great quote was hoping curiosity about the future seemed better than guarantees that's the way i was the unknown was always so attractive to me and still is oh she was just such an icon yeah i love her uh yeah that's what i got for you that is hedy lamar in 45 minutes i love
0: it uh it's nice to have a feminist icon who wasn't murdered
1: yeah, no, yeah. she died at the at a ripe old age. I mean, she was born in 1914 and she died in 2000. Yeah, that's like
0: a happy ending.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, she didn't receive much recognition for her beautiful, beautiful brain until after she died. But like, still, still, she got some recognition right before she died, and she had a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and she starred in 31 movies and had six husbands it was just so cool
0: and she's the mother of wi-fi yeah the very
1: technology with which this podcast is possible like so much of our lives would be impossible without H- Hedy Lamar. like can you imagine your life without bluetooth and wi-fi and gps oh god i'd have to read paper books again you do read paper books you read more paper books than any person i know okay but sometimes i read on my phone you read on your phone a lot too I like books. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, that's what I got. What did you learn today, Ellen? Well, I learned so much about Hedy Lamarr. Uh,
0: and so much more than what I thought I knew. Which was mostly based off an episode, uh,
1: a season of Agent Carter. Uh, I almost included that in here. That the se- villain from season two of Agent Carter was based on Hedy Lamar. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> It's nice to see though she was like actually a pretty awesome and
1: not villainous person. Yeah, no, she didn't uh, try to consume anyone using like anti gravity. Good. <laughs> Spoiler warning for season two of Agent Carter, I guess. <laughs> hey, if you haven't seen it by now, you're not going to. <laughs> I don't know. I watched it for the first time last summer and I loved it. <laughs> It was during quarantine, though quarantine changes your entertainment conception immensely. That's true. I watched everything Marvel's ever produced during quarantine.
0: <laughs> and it was then
1: we realized Sam was not okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right, We also learned that Hetty Lamar is a strong, independent woman who don't need no man but enjoyed six.
1: i enjoyed more than six let's be real here probably but you know what all the power to her i just i can't get over her having a child out of wedlock and then adopting the child
0: and then not telling him ever oh that killed me god (laughs) Like, doing the math, he had to have been,
1: like, what, in his 60s when he found out? I think so. It's so messed up. Right? But she was, like, a really cool old person, though. Oh, yeah. But yes, today we learned about a woman who escaped Nazi Germany and to become one of the most famous people in the world. and Invent Wi-Fi. And we learned how to escape the police. Legally. No, we don't learn how to escape them. We just learned how
0: to deal with them. Yeah, that's the first step to escaping them. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta stay sharp, Sam.
1: No rioting, Ellen.
0: <laughs> Fine. Uh <laughs> Isn't there- Don't you have, like, a very
1: specific list of circumstances under which I'm allowed to riot? I do, and none of- the, and you haven't succeeded in finding a situation in which it's okay, so therefore, no rioting.
0: Well, I'm sorry the
1: world hasn't ended. Yet. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep you safe. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, I'm gonna do our plugs now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can follow us on in- on Instagram at chaos If you have if you want to like tell us what you think or give us ideas for more episodes, our email is chaospodcast 21 at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Spotify, follow us on a podcast, leave us five star reviews wherever that's supposed to happen. And thank you for listening.
0: We really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the chaos. Safe travels.